0: City Church. If we don't know each other, my name is Amber Brown. I'm the family pastor here at the city. Um, We did just get back from family camp, so those of us that have the bags under our eyes, I'm definitely one of them. Uh, We're a little bit sleepy, but we had a really, really good time. Um, I know my family did. even So my oldest is five, down to my youngest, who was teething all week long, so it was a fun process for all of us but we're so glad to be back um, if you haven't met my family before my husband his name is Wade he is a firefighter with LFR my oldest her name is Emmy she's six she just graduated from kindergarten this um, this last month it's crazy we're already in summer and then my middle is three his name is Rowan he's a fireball if you've never met him before He's a fireball. And then our youngest is one. Her name is Jewel. She uh, is just sweet, kind, gentle spirit. Like I said, she was teething, though, during family camp. So if you met her then, it's not her normal. So sorry. Um, But a little bit about our kids. They're very different personalities. We don't know yet which camp Jewel falls into, but I definitely have a compliant child and an independent child so our firstborn, when we moved to washington dc she was 18 months old so she already knew how to walk but we were walking more and more and more and we were walking the streets of dc if you go to get groceries you have to walk if you're going to a restaurant you have to walk if you want to go really far you have to walk to the subway to get on so i'm going to show you a little clip of emmy this is about when she was two years old She was very independent, could just walk around on the street by herself, didn't need to hold a hand, you know, all business. And that's her, our oldest. Um, So Emmy, we taught her when she was walking on the street, if she heard mommy or daddy say the word pause, that means for her to stop where she was. We didn't want to use the word stop because we felt that might be a little too severe. So she would approach the... uh, ledge, the end of the street, and we would tell her, Amy, pause, because she knew we would be coming right behind her, and we would grab her hand, and we would cross the street together. Like I said, we didn't want to use the word stop, because we wanted that to be reserved for, like, more serious situations, so that she knew when we said stop, we really meant it, and that might mean that there was danger. So my husband and I, at the time, thought, We are brilliant parents. This is a great idea. Look at this little girl. She does so well. My in laws at the time thought we were a little crazy and they were nervous about her safety, but Emmy has a compliant heart. And like I said, my husband and I are patting ourselves on the back. We know we've got this parenting thing, we're good. And then came our second child, Rowan. So this is the boy who, at 18 months, he snuck out of our home in Virginia. We lived at the top of the hill, so he walked down to the bottom of the cul-de-sac while my mom was babysitting him, and she found out a few minutes after he snuck out that he was down at the bottom of the hill. And this is also the boy that last summer when he was two years old decided to jump into the deep end of the pool, and Laura Tatum and myself had to save him from drowning because Crazy, And this is also the boy that right before his third birthday, while my husband and I were in Nashville on our anniversary trip, was turning around on the play set at my parents' house to throw a toy, fell off, and broke his arm. So that is my independent spirited child. So one of the things in our house that we teach our kids is to listen and obey. Something that we say all the time. If you're around us long enough, you'll hear us say it to our kids. They are annoyed by it. But we also say obey the first time. So if our kids are not being obedient, which happens very often, we will look at them and I'll say, Rowan, I need you to look me in the eyes. And I will say, obey when? And Rowan will look at me. And he'll get this. I have the same thing. So he'll get this and then he'll grit his teeth and he'll say, the first time. Like as slowly and as angrily as he can. But today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how quick are you to listen and obey. And then also, what are you being guided by? What are you listening to? What's that voice that's telling you where to go? So our sweet Bryce, come on up, Bryce. She's going to read our passage for us this morning. Right here, girlfriend.
1: My name is Rice Anderson, and, to, and I'm in fifth grade. And I'm going in, and I'm part of City Kids. Today, I'm going to be reading for you Psalms five. Good job. O oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to me, cry for help, my King and my God. For I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning, I bring my requests to you and wait expectantly. O God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence. For you hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your way plain for me to follow. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. O God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing... Joyful praises forever, spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O oh Lord. You surround them with your shield of love.
0: Great job, Bryce. We all give Bryce an. So pretty much. All of us probably have what we would call enemies in our life, right? But probably not the same enemies that David had. If you don't know much about David, he actually had a lot of enemies through his entire life. So David as a young boy, he started out as a shepherd. So his enemies were actually animals at the beginning. We hear stories about him fighting off lions and bears to protect his sheep. And then later, as David gets a little bit older, we see him faithful face nine foot nine inch Goliath that not a single Israelite warrior was brave enough to stand up against. And then later Saul, Saul, David's mentor and father to his best friend is out to kill David before David can actually acquire the throne. And then once David becomes king, obviously there are other nations that are trying to kill him and take his throne. And then David's own son, at one point, wants to overthrow David and take his life as well. So David has a lot of enemies, probably a little bit different than the enemies we have. And I think if somebody is out to take your life, you probably live in this constant state of fear and anxiety. So what does David do with that anxiety? In verses 1 through 3, he says, O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my requests to you and wait expectantly. I love David's heart of prayer here because he says, Hear me, pay attention, listen. I bring my requests and wait. So one of the things I tell the women in my ladies Bible study is I'm really bad at remembering to pray. This is just not my area of expertise. It's not the first thing that I turn to. So I always tell Lynn Gillum, I'm like, Lynn, if I forget to pray at the end of Bible study, please remind me because it's just not my natural inclination. But David, that is, that's his first thing he runs to. He says, Hear me. Listen to me. And then I love the last part where he says, I will wait expectantly for you because that is not me either. If there is a problem, I want to come up with a solution and then fix it as quickly as possible. That's the society we live in today, right? It's like, I need something. Let me get on Amazon. Okay, two days. Well, I can't wait for that. So let me go do the target pickup. Two hours. Okay, perfect, right? It's just, it's just the life that we live. It's not easy for us to wait. But that's David's heart and how he prays. Um, He just is is expectant for God to, to do something. But then David calls out to God and he recognizes God's power. He says, Oh God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence. For you hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers. Deceivers, How many of you, this is the God of the Bible you like to evangelize people with? You hate, you destroy, you detest. Yeah, this is not the one that most of us like to talk about, right? We would rather like to, let's just forget that side of who God is. But he is holy and he is perfect and he is blameless. And so with that perfection comes this direct correlation to his holiness. So that's why his attitude towards sin is so great. We have... No frame of reference for how good God is. We can take the most perfect person, so like think in your mind, who the most perfect, nicest, kindest person you've ever met, and then magnify them to like the nth degree. And even that doesn't compare to who God is. It's like trying to take a five-star meal and comparing it to McDonald's. But even more than that, it's really like trying to take a five-star meal and comparing it to those mud patties we used to make As kids that like had bugs all crawling in it. It's not even edible, right? Just not actually food. That's what us trying to think and compare our goodness to God's goodness. It's untouchable. And so that's why his hatred for sin is so great. And it's hard for us even as humans to comprehend. But then David reminds us of that perfect contrast. This God that we love to talk about. He says, because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your way plain for me to follow. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. I love this how it says, um, because of your unfailing love. In the ESV it says, but I through the abundance of your steadfast love will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. God is so good and he loves us so much that it really does help us Bend our knee. If you haven't met my husband before, he is probably one of the kindest, nicest, most generous people. And I will tell people all the time, so I am that strong, independent spirit. And I thought when I was going to get married that I needed to marry somebody that was like stronger, like more powerful, like just commanding so that they could hoard that over me. But that was not God's plan at all. He wanted me to marry someone that was kind and gentle and loving so that my heart would willingly submit Because I knew that he cared for me in in submitting. And the same is true for us as believers. We serve a gracious and loving God. And that should help us bend our knee in submission to him. Just like David is saying here. We comply because he loves us. And that helps us bend our knee. Then David makes his request before God. This is the ESV version. He says, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. So... We, re- we recently went to Disney. Anybody go to Disney recently? There are a lot of people there. It was a blast. We had a lot of fun. We rode so many rides. Um, let me tell you, if you go, even if it's like three hours to wait, you have to ride the Star Wars ride. It is more than a ride. It is an experience. It's immersive. It's totally worth the wait. I promise. Do it. But while we were there, we saw a lot of Tiny humans, like my tiny humans. And there were some really smart parents that had those like backpacks that have the leash on it, trying to like, you know, make sure their kid doesn't wander off too far. But now they also have these new contraptions that are like bracelets. So a kid wears a bracelet and then a parent wears a bracelet. There's like this coil in between the two, it's kind of like a leash. One has to wonder, though, I was really concerned because my thought was how far and how fast can a kid run on the leash before it just retracts them back, like one of those little tiny dogs on a retractable leash? Like, we did not do that for our son just for fear of neck, back, brain injury. I just don't think it would work. Um, Some of us might say, though, wow, that would be really convenient if Jesus and myself could be attached together, right? So you just like start going off the wrong way and the Lord pulls you back. Or maybe you're like me and you're like, that would actually probably be really bad because at some point I would probably just be dragging Jesus along with me, right? And so you're like, maybe we need something that's a little bit more advanced. Uh, How about a shock collar? I think that's probably what I need, right? Like start like falling back into old sinful patterns like Or like you start going down the wrong way, just start that quick reminder, right, that God is in control and that we are not. How many of you would benefit from that? There's a few of us. There's a few of us in here. Yeah, same, same. But thankfully, our God is so much gentler than that. How many of you in here are horse people? I don't mean like you're a horse, like you like horses. You know a lot about them. Okay, so I gave this illustration uh, in the first service. I'm going to give it again, but I told them to come tell me if I'm wrong. Don't tell me if I'm wrong because I will have taught it twice now, so please don't. So, Whenever a horse first learns how to rein, they use what's called a direct rein. So you'll put the bit in the horse's mouth, and the rider has two reins, one in the left hand and one in the right hand. If you want the horse to go left, you're going to pull the horse to the left. If you want the horse to go right, you're going to pull the horse to the right. As the horse learns more and more how to direct rein, you can add advanced techniques. So there's a technique called neck reining. And what you do with neck reining is the rider is going to hold the reins in a single hand. That way they have a free hand, which is much more convenient. If you want to go left, you're going to put pressure from your left leg onto the horse and lay the right rein over the right side of the neck. So it's kind of like a steering wheel. You're turning the horse with your leg and with your arm. And then the same is true to go the right. You play right, your pressure with your right leg and lay the rein on the left side. Again, turning the horse. It's a cue. You're cueing your horse. It's different than commanding it when you're pulling it. You're cueing your horse, telling him where to go. Now don't miss this. The more practice the rider and the horse have together, the easier the reining process becomes. One trainer said, as you practice, your rein aids will become more refined and almost imperceptible. So in some cases, the rider can actually sit in the saddle and instead of having to use the reins, can just shift in the seat. So for any of you youth today that maybe this is sounding more like a parable than it's really applicable I want to read read to you what Jesus said in John chapter 16 he says but in fact it is best for you that I go away because if I don't the advocate won't come. If I do go away then I will send him to you and when he comes he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it That it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Listen to this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So no leash backpack, no wrist restraints, no shock collar necessary. You and I, if you're a believer, have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And he is the one, church... Not you. He is the one that is supposed to be holding those reins. And here's the cool thing, is the more we allow him to guide us, the easier that becomes, right? The easier it is to hear him when he's pushing us towards something, when that leg is pressing in or you're feeling that, that rain laid upon your neck, when you're in worship and God is tugging at your heart, when you're reading the word and something is like a light bulb, or when you're sitting here in church and you're feeling that conviction, that's the Holy Spirit guiding you. And here's the thing, the more we allow that to happen, the easier it becomes, the easier it is for us to hear his voice. Hopefully our heart becomes yes, and that response is quick. Hopefully you're like my daughter, and you have that compliant spirit right? Because again, the more you're listening and the more you're saying yes, the easier it is to hear him and to follow him. So the spirit, he's going to guide us into all truth, but it's not only important to be guided because of the sake of truth and righteousness, but because of what David says in verse 8. He says, lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. So when I say the word enemy, you might actually have a person that comes to mind. For me, there is this one woman who I know you're probably saying you're a pastor. You shouldn't hold a grudge. But listen, hear me out because you will understand where I'm coming from. How many of you have to deal with car line when you drop your kids off for school? Listen, car line is beautiful. It's wonderful. The invention of it was great. I don't have to change out of my pajamas. I can have shoes on or no shoes on. I can have yesterday's makeup on. No one knows. But Carline is also the bane of my existence because there is this one woman who I know exactly what kind of car she drives, the color, the make, the model, and I know if I get behind this woman in Carline, it is going to ruin my morning because she breaks the number one rule of Carline. This woman parks her car in Carline, will get out, lets one kid out, walks them over to the sidewalk, lets a second kid out, walks them over to the sidewalk, and then waves to them goodbye. That is what you do not do in car line. You zoom up as fast as you can, hustle your kid out, bye, I love you, see you later, I'll pick you up at 3.30. That's how you do car line. But this woman, no, every time. And my daughter, who can hear me talking to her, always says, Mommy, who are you, who are you talking to, thinking that I'm talking to her? the lady that's in front of us that thinks it's necessary to stop in carline, she probably thinks her name is excuse me ma'am excuse me because that's all i say every time and here's the thing would i volunteer for carline yes i would absolutely volunteer could i handle the power of volunteering for carline absolutely not people would not like me they would not want to be in carline that woman would probably be greatly offended they would be like, and you're a pastor, and I'd be like, I'm really sorry. I just like to follow the rules. Listen, that's, I've confessed to you, who my enemy is. Probably not the same as David' enemies, but it's a struggle. Pray for me. This is what David has to say about his enemies, though. He says, My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is so foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. Oh God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins. For they have rebelled against you. Now... That doesn't really sound like my Carline lady, I have to admit. But when I read that, I knew exactly who it sounded like. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, "...for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has always hated the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies." Here's the thing, a lot of times when you and I think of enemy, we think of that flesh, that person. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's the car line lady, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's someone that you're related to or someone you're sitting to next next to this morning. I'm not sure. We'll pray for that. But... In Ephesians, Paul tells us who our enemy really is. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So you and I need the Holy Spirit not only to direct us in righteousness, but to make us aware of our enemy. Because this enemy is not out just to ruin our day or make things difficult or to annoy us. Scripture says that there is a thief that is eager to steal and kill and destroy. In First Peter, it calls him a great enemy that, roar, that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. That doesn't sound like my car line lady. That sounds like a pretty extreme enemy. And here's the thing, church, is that Jesus told us that no one can steal us out of his hand But you know what our enemy can do? He can distract us and deter us while we're on the path of righteousness. And if you haven't noticed, he is really good at it. He knows those things that will distract you and deter you from following the Lord. He knows how to get under your skin. He knows the right sin to bring to your mind. He knows how to tempt you and distract you and distort the truth. So have you ever experienced distraction while you're on the path? So I'm a young mom. Uh, a lot of times my focus goes to my family and to my kids, and that's a great thing, but it can also be very distracting. Sometimes it's hard for me to get in the Word because I'm so tired, or I'm mo- more focused on fixing the 500th meal of the day than I am about spending time in God's Word. Or maybe it's your spouse. Maybe they're that person that has the seat on the throne of your heart, that you're more concerned on, on their love than you are with the love of God. Or maybe uh, it's money. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you're so consumed with your job and investments and and things like that that you have paused on the path because of, of those things. And it's distracted and deterred you from coming to church or spending time in the Word or worshiping even. And the enemy wants you consumed with all these other things so that you're completely distracted from the plan that God has for you. And he has paused you on the path. Your salvation is secure but your purpose is paused. We understood the message of the gospel, but we haven't grown past that, and the enemy has distracted us on the path. Or maybe you've experienced grief and suffering, and that's totally detoured you. You have started looking for love and contentment in these wrong places. Or maybe you've been listening to the voices of this world. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's the news, and it's totally distorted what truth is in your life. So your salvation is secure, but your path is distorted. You understood the message of the gospel, but you stopped seeking truth. The enemy has deterred you from the path. And this is honestly one of the reasons why we have the City 7. is because we know there will, there will be things that come up in your life that are going to deter you from what is true. So this morning, let's look at City 7, number 6. It says, is the Bible... God's word. It says, Jesus proved he is God by rising from the dead and said the Old Testament was God's word and gave authority to the apostles to write the words of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that all the words of the Bible are God's words. So you can be assured today, church, that if you are seeking truth, you can find it in the Bible. If the enemy has deterred you on the path of righteousness, go back to the word because that's where truth is. And when we stop using the Bible as our filter for truth, we allow the enemy to distort and deter us from, God, from the path that God has clearly laid out for us. So what does it look like to walk the path? One of the things that Clayton always says, he says, it's not one, two, three, it's follow me. And Proverbs 3, five through six says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Trust and seek, and the Holy Spirit is going to guide you, right? He's going to be the one that is holding the reins to direct you to the left and to the right. And David gives hopes to those that are trusting in God's righteousness at the end of Psalm 5. He says, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy you bless the godly, O oh Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. I hope you find that as an encouragement. If if Christ is the center of your life, if you're walking on the path, there's something to be hopeful for. But I want to ask you this morning, just um, as we're closing out, where are you on the path? Do you need to step on the path? Maybe you're saying today, actually, I don't know that I've ever made Jesus the Lord of my life. I don't know if I've ever given over control to him. Maybe today you actually need to put that bit in your mouth and let the Holy Spirit hold those reins. Um, If that's you, we're going to be praying here. Uh, Barry's going to have his team up, and we would love to pray with you. Um, Maybe you're here this morning, and you say, actually... I have been distracted. There are things that have paused or detoured me from the path that God has for me. And I need to come back to the path. We would love to pray for you as well. I don't know if you've heard the story of the prodigal son, but he leaves his father and goes out to do his own thing. But here's the thing, church, is once he comes back... They are so excited. The father is so excited that the son has come back that they throw a party for him and celebrate. If that's you today, if you've gone off the path, know that we want to celebrate with you to come back and to be restored and to find hope. And then last is, uh, are you pressing on down the path? Maybe you're here today and you say, hey, actually, I think I'm doing pretty good. Or maybe you're saying, hey, I want to keep pursuing the Lord. What does that look like? Well, first of all, I'd love to encourage you to be in a city group find that community of people to join you to help spur you on into goodness and truth but also one of the things that we have on our city church app are daily devos one of the ways that you can find truth and be assured that God is speaking to you is being in the word coming to church on Sunday morning and listening listening to the message coming on Wednesday night to city nights and being in prayer with us if you are pursuing the Lord it's going to be hard to be off his path And here's the last thing. I just want to encourage you today with this last verse from 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight, for the true faith Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, who gives life to all. And before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering, then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we just thank you that you love us. Lord, I thank you that you are perfect and you are holy. God, but you see us in our sin and you still love us. I thank you for Jesus, God, and what he's done for us. Lord, I pray for those of us that maybe have never stepped on the path Lord, I ask that you would give them boldness and courage, God, to come and step out and and seek after you. And Lord, I pray for those that are paused or detoured on their path. Lord, I pray that you would help them see their purpose, God. And and I just pray for restoration for them. And Lord, I thank you for those that are already walking on the path. Lord, I pray that you would bring people alongside of them to encourage them, God, to help them grow and, and push on. And Lord, again, we just ask that we would be led by your spirit. Help us recognize it when he's speaking, Lord, and help us have that compliant spirit. We love you and we thank you, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen.